Good morning, everyone. It is a new day resolution today, and I'm here with two of my best friends. D. Marino looks like he's in a prison, and uh, Mike Mamola looks like he's in a hotel room, and uh, I'm here at home. Uh, so got a mess behind me. I got to figure out the angle before I do my training today. We'll angle it a little bit this way, but welcome, everybody. Well, Good hey, morning. guys, we're sitting here Friday. It's uh, 5 a.m. here in Pacific time. Most people aren't living in the empty mile, and we do things a little bit differently, which creates different results. Uh, so I thought maybe we share some new day resolutions and why it's important to have new day resolutions instead of new year resolutions, creating limitations of yourselves, resistance, uh, and things like that. So uh, either one of you guys want to comment or you want me to kind of set the stage? Yeah, I'll, set uh, I'll, I'll jump okay. in. All right, cool, Mike. You know what it is? It's I think it comes down to Dave achievability. People set New Year resolutions like I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to start, and they start and they go for the first two, three, four weeks, and then die off. And it's it's a big achieve, achievable but very difficult to achieve goal when you do it that way. Baby steps, right? Like when you say, if you set your um, <clears throat> your goals or your objectives in a reasonable way, <clears throat> New Day goals. I'm going to do this today. Today I'm going to do this, and you do it. That's a win. And then tomorrow, I'm going to do this. This is today's resolution. I'm going to do this. And then you look back 365 days later, and you, you've achieved it. Nice. Yeah, solid. I think a lot of this comes to things that you and I have spoken about a lot in the past, Dave. Um, you know, detaching yourself from outcomes, I think, is, is important, especially when you look at these big, grandiose resolutions. You know, you want to lose, to use Mike's example, you want to lose 30 pounds. Uh, you want to make a million bucks. As soon as you fall off the wagon, you eat ice cream and you don't go to the gym for two days, you failed. And since you've attached, you know, your success to that outcome, it really creates a snowball effect. So taking things one step at a time, you know, creating processes and habits versus resolutions, uh, I think will be a game changer. But obviously for a day resolution is should be better than you were the day before. And that can be in a number of different ways. And when you look at it in a more general way like that, then it leads to more success. It's like, what things can I do to make my day better? How can I make my family's life better? My colleagues, my coworkers, my friends, my peers. Yeah. You know, and I think that comes down to a few physics uh, equations, right? And I, I looked at Einstein when I was looking at the New Day Resolution. One, uh, aggregate effect is so much powerful, right? Two minutes a day is worth more than two hours on a Saturday. Uh, and there's no makeup uh, when you come to a new day resolution. You know, there's always a makeup and then there's an over uh, reaction to it. Uh, time itself in a linear aspect, the closer you come to an end date, the more resistance it is. If you have not achieved what you've attached to that end date. So the closer you come to an end date, if you've attached to the end date, the closer you come to the fourth quarter, two minute warning and the time clock running out, there's more resistance if you're not ahead or if you're not, uh, haven't achieved your goal. So people don't understand the quantitative effect beyond just the emotional effect of attaching their emotions to a year goal. The other thing that people have difficulty to is coherence, something that I'm going to be teaching in 2022, remembering what you want and doing it, right? And I use thank you you know, created the 14 day gratitude challenge for everyone, which is just taking off. It's amazing. I thought, God, everyone's done a gratitude challenge. No one's going to want to do this, but believe it or not, everybody wants to do it because it teaches coherence. 
coherence is remembering to say thank you and actually saying thank you, I still will stand by the fact that everyone on earth, the biggest, smallest minds and thought leaders all agree gratitude is the easiest way to change your life. But by tonight, half of us won't say thank you. And by tomorrow morning, another half won't say thank you. And in three days, almost all of us won't say thank you. And I know that because I still forget to say thank you. You would think with all the times repetitively that I teach, I learn, I read about gratitude that I would never forget to say thank you. But coherence, uh, you know, is just such an interesting thing. And it, it, it aligns with the new date uh, resolution. If you do things day by day, it's easy not to create resistance. Now, how do we reconcile the midterm and long-term objectives? Well, that's the other thing that works in your favor is that you don't create huge shifts because you're doing subtle changes every day, not being afraid of being a hypocrite, changing your mind, learning, you become a faster learner, but more importantly, this shift occurs every day instead of, Oh my God, I need a whole new profession. Oh my God, I need to do, there's no major shifts in your life because you have new day resolutions and you're making these decisions day by day, according to what uh, my son's graduating uh, high school in six years. I want to live to over 111 years old. These things I take into consideration every day when I have my non-negotiables of, hey, you know, I'm going to uh, spend a minimum of this amount of my time on my health with my family, with activity I get paid for within the context of activity I get paid for. Here's the shifts that I'm going to occur just today. So both in the time of thought and the time of light, we create less resistance by utilizing new day resolutions and we get more of the Einsteinian rule of 72 compound interest aggregate effect. Uh, what are some of your new day resolutions, uh, Mikey? Yeah. So the thing I've been thinking about the most is, you know, I've Dave historically, and we've talked about this a lot, placed a lot of importance on money. Uh, which is important um, because of the way I grew up. Uh, New day resolutions are going to be, you know, not just focused on everything that we're doing to, to make money and build successes all around us in incredible ways, but to take moments throughout the day to recognize the importance of time. So my new day resolutions are to take a few minutes here and there to make sure that I bring myself more back to center, to focus on the importance of being aware of where I am physically emotionally, spiritually, so that I can readjust myself as needed and help readjust the people that I'm working with and doing things with. Nice. That's a good one. Mine is actually focusing on the importance of sleep and better sleep habits. Um, I know you speak about that a lot, Dave. We spend, what, a third of our time sleeping and really focusing this year, well, today, on my new day resolution, I'm trying to optimize that time. It's something I've been struggling with lately and I want to you know, improve my sleep habits. Nice. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for me, always is identification of the ego based consciousness. You know, these, uh, the better I get at identifying when I'm in, uh, in my kind of subtly suggested it, when I'm in some ego based consciousness of a need to be a right, a need to be offended, a need to be separate, inferior, superior, anxious, frustrated, angry, guilty, resentful, all of these feelings only create resistance. And to remind, remember, and reflect that I am happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. I don't got to go get it. I have to figure out what I'm doing to interfere with it. Also, you know, one of the new answers is the zero-sum game. Uh, you know, people who count other people's money, people who expect things of other people, uh, you know, people are going to lie to themselves. Everybody I work with 
everybody I know, they, they lie to themselves and I lie to myself. You know, the other day it was interesting. Miles, we were coming home from, we had a, a, a kind of friends early New Year's Eve dinner two, two, day, two nights ago, one night ago, whatever. Uh, but on the way home, Miles said, you know, had dropped my retainer in the back seat and I can't find it. And he's in the third row of one of our vehicles. So when we got home, it's dark. You know, it's 8.30 at night. I'm looking everywhere. And I was like, Miles, did you leave it at the um, restaurant? No. I was like, you know, because my other girls all lost their retainers, you know. <laughs> and, you know, I probably bought three for Mia, you know. Also guilty. Yeah. So, so you know, my immediate belief is, Miles, you don't need to lie to me. Right. Because, you know, just like Mike has, you know, energy inheritance on the currency of money and, and other issues that we inherit genetically and energetically. One of mine is I would have bullshitted my parents if I lost my retainer. We just couldn't afford uh, dental care. So I didn't have a retainer. Um, and I was just blessed to have good teeth, I guess. Uh, but more importantly, right, I, I kind of was accusing them a few times. Like I went back to it, you know. It doesn't make sense, Miles. How could you drop your retainer in the car? It would be here, right? I opened the seat. I, you know, I did. I reached my hand in there, and he's looking at me because he hasn't inherited that energetic thing that I have, right? The overseller, back end seller, liar, manipulator, and cheater that that I inherited. That's still quantum in my being. That I practice identifying. So you know, anyway, could not find it. So I said, okay, well, I'll go look in the morning. You know, and went to bed and I'm like, maybe told Julie, Hey, maybe we should call the restaurant, you know, just, you know, maybe he didn't remember, you know, maybe he thinks he dropped, you know, I, I was giving him the benefit of the doubt, but still doubting my main man, you know? And, uh, <laughs> she said, no, you know, cause she's not inherently like that. She's the opposite, right? She's harmfully honest, uh, you know, <laughs> or your feelings, you know? And, uh, so she wakes up, she goes, looks outside, she, you know, opens, folds the seat, sticks her, you know, tiny little arm in there. And sure enough, right. It's there. Just like he said, it was, if I was a betting man, I would have bet you that he left it at the, at the, uh, at the restaurant and, and either, you know, how the mind works, either thought he, you know, he, he couldn't find it when he was in the car. So he just assumed he dropped it in the car. Cause he doesn't inherently, you know, lie, but, but I was, you know, it's just the way my mind works. Right. And so he said to me, so dad, you, why, why did you doubt me? I said, because I doubt myself. And, you know, I wanted to teach him that these are my problems, you know, and, you know, albeit everyone at some level, you know, lies, you know, they, they, you, you have to go off of the intention in the great chain of feeding, whether they feed you or not. And, you know, some of my best employees that I have, I'm doing in, in end of year reviews and I've charted down a list of lies that I've caught them in, right? Like just blatant lies, not miles, you know, I'm assuming, or, you know, it's, it's my issue. And I was going to make it an issue when it came to the, the end of the year, you know, enlist, enlist out all these things uh, that bug the shit out of me. Right. They bug me. They have nothing to do with them. They bug me because they're going to lie. Now, I will tell you, I bonus off of, you know, three things. One, student of the calendar, because I think if you're a student of the calendar, you're going to be productive, accessible and gracious. So that encompasses a, a great way to bonus people. Engagement, you know, 
where you know there's certain people that are up at 5 a.m every friday thursday and wednesday for office hours and they produce the show never complain you, you know what i mean and so i look for engagement and then i look for um lying to yourself so you know how many times that you know they say they're working but they're playing golf or they go below the line and won't admit to to what they do and so those are the kind of ways that i've constructed it into the pragmatic world for you guys what's your um you know, I know mine, you know, comes from that need to oversell, back end sell, lie, manipulate, cheat, and then be and have a need to be offended when people do that to me. What's the one for you uh, that you most need to identify that's the more regular reoccurring interference in your life? It's a really, really good question. I'm going to give you a check. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. You should have seen me the other day. I was kicking ass. I had like three or four <laughs> points. Who were you on with? With Mike, yeah. I think Mike, it was you, right, Mike? Yes. I was like, good thing Marino's not here. He can't get any of these he, points. He was knocking him out of the park, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, for for me, it's the um, needing to say no and to realize the importance of when others say no to me. And, and there's a necessary selfishness or selflessness that's a part of everyone's success. So if someone says no to, to me, for example, in the past, I've taken that personally, where now I see they need to for whatever reason. And when I need to say no to someone or some people for something, I hope and expect that they'll recognize the importance of that. So bringing it back, seeing that when people are doing things, the way that they're doing things, it's important and necessary for them in their lives at that time. And that's no reflection of me. Nice. Yeah, for me, it's um, putting my ego aside, uh, dealing with uh, doubters or folks that maybe don't know what I bring to the table and trying not to get caught in the interference of being offended by that and, and focusing on, you know, producing and showing why, you know, even though there is an ego there, why I feel confident or um, sure in what I'm doing. So just getting back to center, really, it's, 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 it all goes back to the wise words of Mr. Meltzer, man. Stop, drop, and roll. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's amazing. Do you guys have uh, a story during the holiday where you were able to stop, drop, and roll? You know, I'm so proud on several occasions of some of uh, the people that I work with. You know, Mikey, for example, who's, uh, you know, usually here at 5 a.m. as well. Uh, I came back from, you know, in the last five weeks of the year, I went to, I, I looked back, I went to Portugal, New York. So since Thanksgiving, basically, right, Portugal, New York, uh, Vegas, British Virgin Islands to Meltzer Island and Bora Bora and filmed Two Minute Drill, uh, 12 episodes. And when I filmed the 12 episodes, uh, you know, I was seeing how far I could push myself. And uh, I literally had a boiling point, but I got into it with Mikey. So I knew I was not in a good headspace because Mikey's like the most non-conflictual person in the entire world. 100%. <laughs> and if you bugged it, if you, if you bugged him where he, but he, he was like, breathe. Cause I've never got into it with him. Right. And he, you know, Justin and I, it was a weekly occurrence during 2021. It won't be in 2022. So he uh, literally just was like breathing and he walks away. 
you know, he stopped, dropped, physically stopped, dropped the roll and did not accelerate in the wrong direction. Anyway, we got Joshua Kim in the green room. Uh, we'll, we'll get to this. He's not in the green room anymore. Matt fast triggered him in here. Principal at 7 accelerator. Good day, my friend. How are you? Good, good. It's earlier. Are you over there Pacific time? Yes, sir. It's it's not early for me, right, man. I'm really in the end. I live the empty mile. I live on East Coast time, so I can talk to my friends. Oh, okay, there you go. For there Mamola, you go. so I can wake wake up Mamola. Uh, so that's. <laughs> yeah. I'm up. I'm awake. He, well, he he's up because he stayed up all the way through the night because he's that's a it, mad. Man. He's a madman. He gets it. <laughs> um, you know, I want to talk to you, uh, Joshua here at the end of the year. You know, debt, loans, financial literacy <clears throat> are yeah. something that everybody reflects on at the end of the year. I encourage them to do it every day. It makes it a lot easier. There is an aggregate effect of good behavior. Um, and one of the good behaviors is to pay attention and give intention to your financial uh, manifestations or your financial situation. And debt is something that I had to learn. You know, I'm, I'm someone who went to law school, business school. I right. you know, ran major companies and I was financially literate because I didn't understand debt. I didn't understand it and I was too afraid mm -hmm. to ask, you know, I didn't understand how the private bank lend me money or leverage the equity I had in properties or just my revolving credit and credit lines and how they worked and how my credit, all these different yeah. things. And, you know, you yourself uh, really understand debt. And so I was hoping maybe yeah. you could give us coming into 2022, some things to think of if we have new day resolutions on debt, you know, you know, what it is, what practices that you utilize and, uh, you know, why seven accelerator, you know, has the ability to help, uh, companies and people in that direction. Yeah. So great intro. Thanks for having me on. Um, I, I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of confusion with people with business debt versus personal debt, right? You know, you, you have a lot of guys like, uh, you know, what's his name? Ramsey. You know, if you're a consumer, his advice is good to follow. But if you're a producer, you run a business, a lot of his advice is frankly just crap because you you need to take leverage. You need to borrow capital. You need to raise capital a lot of times to scale a business, right? You have a unit case um, in a business that's profitable, right? It costs you $2 to make something and sell something um, and you sell for 10, right? Why would you not borrow money to grow it? So, you know, what <clears throat> What my business does is we help business owners navigate primarily SBA loans. So the Small Business Administration 7A and 504 loans. So, you know, if you're trying to buy a business, buy out a partner, buy a piece of real estate or just get growth capital, um, that's what we what we focus on. And I think a lot of business owners, they're just not aware of how many options are out there to access these types of government guaranteed loans. Right. The government through the SBA encourages business owners to access capital. They have programs in place deliberately making it easier. And just to highlight that, the way these SBA loans work, a lot of people might be confused about it. You don't actually get the money directly from the SBA unless they're like disaster loans. And I'm sure people in the audience have heard about like these, these EIDL loans. Those are ones that are coming directly from the SBA, but the regular loans, they actually come straight from banks. And the way they work is the government just guarantees a lion's share of the loan so that if it goes bad, the bank doesn't really have the big of a loss. And so the only reason they do that is because they want business owners to be able to access the money they need to scale and grow their business. And so, you know, as we're going into the new year, I think my 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 tidbit for business owners are, uh, you know, if you're looking to scale, and you're looking to borrow capital, just, you know, make sure your house is in order, make sure your books are clean. Uh, you know, you have your tax returns available. 
Um, if your personal credit score needs to be worked on, get with somebody to, to you know, who can help you with that. But credit is uh, super available right now. It's really never been more available, more accessible, and as cheap as it is now. And so you're kind of silly not to try to take advantage of it. And can I put in one real quick before one of you guys go? Uh, you know, it's interesting because personal loans, uh, home loans, because of subprime lending, you know, 2006, 2007, you know, th- that's what got me into trouble uh, because all you needed was a pulse uh, to get money yeah. <laughs> to, buy a, to buy a house. Uh, it seems to be almost that way with SBA now, but it's not from subprime. It's from government approval and government support. Is that correct? Yeah, that, that's correct. And you could make the argument that the same thing is what happened in 2008, right? The reason that banks were lending out all this money were, were because they were government guaranteed, right? They were selling it on the secondary market. So, you know, they were, the banks were making the loans, but they had no skin in the game. They were just getting sold because they were Fannie and Freddie. They were government guaranteed loans. Um, I don't think it's to the same degree as 2008 right now, just based on how much money is being lent out and what kind of money is being lent out. A lot of the money is going to businesses that are fundamentally profitable, that can support the debt load. But just to give you an example, these EIDL loans that they're giving out, they've lent out $300 plus billion. Today's actually the last day for applications. I'm helping a lot of clients with those. But those are 30-year loans at 3.75% that don't even require you to have any real estate collateral. You can up to $2 million for a business. I mean, it's a mortgage, but it's completely unsecured, right? I mean, they, they file a UCC on the business or whatever, but I mean, it's, it's fundamentally unsecured, which is which is crazy. Yeah, I find it interesting how, how, how many of those EIDL and PPP loans that have been given out during the pandemic with very little checks and balance, but then the feds are on it to investigate after uh, when they find out that people are frivolously using the funds. Um, it seems like there could, there could have been a mechanism put in prior to that to prevent that from happening. Uh, but that's a different story for a different day. I want to really uh, jump in because knowledge is power. And I think so many folks, so many business owners, so many individuals don't understand that I'm, I'm, I'm one of them, admittedly so. Um, and I know, you know, you were able to secure a $1.2 million loan at 19 years old. Uh, and I'm sure there's a lot of people watching this that are just curious how. Because right? people always say, well, I've got this this idea for a business. How do I start? Where do I get money? I know it takes more than an idea. So if you can just walk us through that process, I think that'll help people understand a little bit more just the knowledge aspect of it. Yeah. So one thing I'd say is that it's easier to go get a million dollars than it is to get a hundred grand. And it's easier to get a hundred million dollars than it is to get one million. So in my case, I didn't, I didn't go to the bank and say, hey, I have like an idea. I, I don't like I have this speculative startup idea that I want you guys to take a risk on. I went to them with a, an existing business that was running that I wanted to purchase. And so basically um, they looked at the numbers. It was a steady growing healthcare services company. Um, I had a partner who had the right operating experience who had you know eight to 10 years of direct industry experience in that specific industry. And then we were able, I was able to raise um, you know, the down payment, the bank needed 10% in, but I didn't have, I didn't have, you know, 140, 150 grand at the time at 19 years old. So I put in like 20,000 myself and then the rest we just clubbed together from, uh, you know, some investors and partners. So, um, you know, in, in the concept of like raising money, you know, acquisitions are easier than startups, uh, definitely for sure. But if you're looking to get capital for a startup, it needs to be, um, you know, the main things that banks are looking for are direct industry experience and reserves, right? Because ideas always 
costs more money to execute than you might think. And so if, if they approve you for $300,000 because you think it's going to cost you $300,000 to get the project done and you don't have you know, a lot of extra runway, well, what happens when that cost goes over, right? So, you know, in, in my case, because I was able, because I went to the bank with an existing company that was running that I wanted to acquire, they view that in a much different risk profile than like starting something up. Joshua, with regard to what you're providing, and, and I, I don't think we can overemphasize the importance of loan consultants and, and you doing what you're doing rather than somebody who is you know busy day to day, 16 hours a day running their business, realizing I need money, I want to do this, I need to do that, and then walking into their local bank and trying to figure it out on their own. It's you know overwhelming. With regard to all of these incredible services that you provide, What's the timing on it? When should somebody come to you? When should somebody be thinking about calling you to say, Joshua, this is what I'm planning? Um, you know, honestly, the earlier in the process, the better. Um, it, but it, it also kind of depends on the project, right? I'll give you an example. Um, <laughs> I, we got engaged by an attorney back in, geez, I want to say like May. Be careful. You're on with three recovering lawyers. No, no, no. I, I, I'm, no, I'm going to explain. One hasn't, so, fully, one hasn't fully recovered yet. That's true. <laughs> so, so, he, so he, he came and he said, hey, um, you know, I need, I, need a, I need a loan to, to buy this building. It's, it's, it's in final stages of construction and I'm going to move my law practice here. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, so we pulled all this stuff together and they were supposed to like close in August, September, right? But the building is not done because this thing's dragged out. And so um, you know, arguably, yes, it was a little bit early for him to come to us to help get his stuff together. But like, we did a lot of the work of like helping him identify all the documents he needs to pull together, um, working through questions from the bank, right? You know, the bank had questions about, uh, how the cash flow works in his practice. Cause he's got other entities and he pulls money out to go invest in real estate and all this stuff. Um, you know, we have some business owners that their process takes a while because we have to maybe send them to a credit repair consultant first, or we need to get them over to an accountant to go uh, get a late tax return filed or, or get a get an installment agreement on taxes that are owed at you know, uh, previous balances that are owed. So it really depends on where someone's at in the process. Um, I've also had situations where someone comes to us like, hey, I've, I've got this business acquisition that I'm about to lose because the bank I'm working with right now is not getting us anywhere. And, and then we have to jump in immediately and, and, and put out that fire right away. Um, but the sooner in the process in general, it, you know, the better. That's amazing, my friend. Well, everybody is, are these going to be available in 2022 as well? Should people contact you, small businesses that are in existence, startups, et cetera? Should they contact you? Is this still going to be available in 2022? Yeah. So, so the main 7A loan program that we deal with uh, has been around for a long time. It'll continue to be around for a long time. Um, historically, they've lent like $30 billion a year between 7A and 504. Um, this last fiscal year, it it jumped up to forty five billion. So the, the volume has gone up. The volume has gone up. Borrowing borrowing volume has gone up. The demand has gone up. And um, there's there's actually some talk right now. They had some incentives through the CARES Act that actually were waiving the guarantee fees and paying the first three to six months loan for you. So if you got a new loan, the government would pay, not defer. They would pay the first three to six months loan for you. Um, so there's some talk about adding back some of those incentives to come back with some of the legislation and build back better. We'll see what happens with that. But, uh, you know, seven, eight loans are, are here to stay. Yeah. I just hope the 
money printer doesn't break or we'll be we'll be in trouble then if we can't keep printing money uh anyway exactly josh kim 7aaccelerator.com check him out it's a great way to fund your business a lot of people it's knowledge uh not the skills or the desire but the knowledge of how to get and where to get money in a very fast and effective way josh thanks for everything that you're doing for small business small business will save our country and the world in my opinion with its innovations so we appreciate everything you do to fuel the fire of innovation take care thanks awesome. josh. thank you happy new year take happy care new year. all right last but not least waiting in the wings lawrence gerard ceo of fruit street and uh, a consumer-facing app on my favorite thing, health. Uh, I have a saying, Lawrence. I don't know if you've heard it before, but you know my number one non-negotiable. Uh, for just actually for the last few years, because always was my family first. Right. Uh, it became my health first because I've learned that when you are healthy, you get the greatest asset in the world, which is wishes. When you're healthy, you get as many wishes as you want. Wishing, I've been studying Goddard, so the value of wishes have gone up even in my own perspective mm -hmm. of how important it is to be able to wish. But if you're unhealthy, we only have one wish, and that's from Steve Jobs down, the richest people on earth. Historically, human nature never changes. How many stories are there about people lying on their deathbed, and how many lessons are there about, you know, nobody's ever asking about their bank account when they're dying. Uh, and, you know, this health... Uh, issue has risen in the corporate field as well. Uh, you uh, are absolutely in the forefront of helping people and delivering uh, management for dis-ease, <laughs> figuring out what we're doing, what we're doing to interfere with what we we do. What was, you know, for you, the, the shift in your perspective? Because obviously you have a great background. You could have done multiple businesses, but what was the shift in the paradigm that made health a priority, not just for you personally, but for your business? Yeah, well, David, thanks for having me on the show. I mean, you know, I was originally planning to go to medical school. And then when I was in college, I was volunteering in an emergency room while taking a nutrition epidemiology course. And I just realized that a lot of the patients that come into the emergency room with diabetes, stroke, heart disease, obesity, that most of it's really just preventable through diet and lifestyle. So I became just really interested in public health and prevention and learned about this program called the Diabetes Prevention Program that has been proven to help people reduce their risk for type 2 diabetes by, by more than half. And so um, really, I just ended up on a personal basis deciding to focus on preventing disease rather than going to medical school and ending up treating it. I love it. Yeah, that's really cool, Lawrence, and thank you for everything you do. Uh, obviously, I think uh, the nutrition problem in this country is, is one of the biggest ones, one of the biggest contributing factors to, to death here. Um, so the, the app that you guys are launching uh, at the top of this year, congratulations on that. One of the things you guys are, are talking about is tips for eating away from home, and I want to talk about that a little bit because I literally just sent my wife a meme last night uh, that ha said I can go – spend $9 for a salad and still be hungry, or I can go to Popeye, spend $5, be happy and full. Uh, and I think that is a true statement for so many people. And, and, and healthy food is hard to come by when you when you leave your home, and you're not preparing it. So I'd love for you to just give us a few tips on how we can, you know, eat right when we're, we're not home. And, and if we can do it, you know, within a reasonable budget, I think that'd be great as well. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I mean, um, you know, 
really our, our program, uh, you know, connects people with virtual dietitians, right? And so this is one of the topics in the, in the program. And uh, I think one of the biggest things people can focus on is just increasing their <clears throat> fruit and vegetable intake. The average American only has one or two servings of fruits and vegetables per day. But if you look at the recommendations, they should really have four or five. So really anything you can do to increase fruit and vegetable, you know, intake. I mean, whether it's just having an apple when you're out, having a salad when you're out. And, you know, often there will be a choice that you can make um, where, you know, there is, there is a salad or there is something healthier that you can, you can have. Um, or even if it's just, you know, making a choice to not get something fried, get something grilled instead and just make those small incremental choices. You know, it doesn't have to be a, a crazy diet. It's just these small kind of choices add up, whether it's adding fruit or vegetable servings or not getting something fried or skipping soda and just having water. Some of these powerful, you know, lessons add up. And I think that, um, you know, the main focus of our program is focused on what's called pre-diabetes, where it means that someone has elevated blood glucose and they have a high risk for developing type two diabetes and actually affects one in three Americans, but nine out of 10 people with pre-diabetes don't know they have it. And the issue is that they can go on to develop type two diabetes. And I think one of the reasons why you see so many people in this country that are pre-diabetic or obese is that, you know, they're just going out, getting fast food and making these, uh, you know, convenient food choices. So definitely, um, you know, making like just smaller food choices when you're out that are, that are healthier, whether it's getting a salad, skipping the soda, right. That kind of thing makes sense. But like also just, you know, cooking a few times a week is really something to focus on as well. You know, um, Lawrence, it's interesting because I invest in number one, you know, the jockey, the entrepreneur, and then number two picks and shovels. Uh, and, I think the most powerful thing that you said was, you know, here you were working in the ER, looking to go to med school. And I, I see this shift in what you did is a paradigm shift that we should be making in a lot of different areas by looking at the picks and shovels uh, before we look at treating the dis-ease. Instead, let's figure out what's causing the dis and put everybody at ease and they won't end up in the ER, uh, as you suggest. And this simple app, uh, you know, like Fruit Street that's well-funded and obviously a huge demand because you were one of the few successful crowdfunding uh, companies that, you know, had led into VC funding. Uh, that's not easy. And, you know, I love to manage people's expectations, whether it's with crowdfunding, MLMs, you know, the 1% of the 1%, but there's a reason uh, that it is. And this shift in the paradigm, I mean, is so essential. I would much rather a lot of these people like yourself that have the capacity to, you know, be a well-trained doctor, use that capacity uh, to train human beings not to need doctors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, that's one of the biggest ways we can improve our healthcare system is, it, you know, it's called self-care, right? People taking care of themselves. And, and actually, um, you know, if you look at the history of our program, Medicare had spent about $175 million where they wanted to figure out how to prevent someone that's pre-diabetic from developing type two diabetes and they actually compared a pharmaceutical drug called metformin to this lifestyle modification program that consists of 22 classes with a registered dietitian covering topics like diet, exercise, sleep, stress management, and uh, what sleep. they found. Was, yeah, sleep. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's important for entrepreneurs, right? And everybody. But, um, you know, what they found was that this lifestyle program was more effective than the drug in preventing type two diabetes. People cut their risk by 58%. And in people over the age of 60, they cut their risk for type 2 diabetes by 71%. And that ended up getting published in the New England Journal of Medicine. The CDC now endorses it and insurance companies pay for it. 
And so it's really just the simple power of lifestyle is even more powerful than a drug in preventing type two diabetes, which a lot of people don't realize. So. Lawrence, I absolutely agree with you. And first, I want to salute you and congratulate you for this. I, I am so excited for you. Uh, what you're doing, I, I, it's just so powerful. And, and to take that um, knowledge and insight that you have and make the decision that you did is incredible. Uh, to, to decide not to go to medical school and, and you know, go that route and to do this instead. And it boggles my mind. I think that in average medical school now, there's like one nutrition class uh, yeah. in, in the curriculum of medicine which we could talk about that another day, but, you know, and then going from the ER, which is a reactive approach to the way people are living versus a proactive approach, which is what you're doing. And you partially answer, answered my question, but I was hoping you could give us a little more insight. I think you said 22 step program. What does it look like for a subscriber? Because I will be, I will be signing up for Fruit Street. Um, what can I expect? Yeah. So um, our specific program is a 12 month program where um, in our program, we actually go a step further. So it's 26 classes over the course of a year. It's a dietitian and a group of 30 people video conferencing on Zoom for an hour um, with, with each week covering a different curriculum topic, right? So diet, exercise, sleep, stress management, grocery shopping, cooking, dealing with emotional triggers for bad, bad food choices. So it's almost like a virtual Weight Watchers meeting in a way. So you can do it from your computer or the Fruits Free mobile app that has Zoom embedded in it. And it's really this dietitian and, and the support group going through the program together, working through and towards their health goals together as almost like a virtual community. And then we give people a free wireless scale and a Fitbit included in the cost, um, as well as um, you can take pictures of your food in our mobile app and get feedback from the dietitian throughout the week. It's kind of like an Instagram style food log. And then you can text message with your dietitian in your group in the app. And so you know, right now we sell it to large <clears throat> self-insured employers and health plans is like an employee benefit. But now um, on, uh, you know, next Friday, we're launching it to the public where it would be uh, a flat cost of $500. Then we're going to be launching some monthly subscription options of $50 per month where you could just sign up directly on the website, maybe give it as a gift to a family member or friend that needs it. Um, you can even use a health savings account or a flexible savings account. But, you know, it's really this 12-month program, a dietitian, a support group, wireless scale, Fitbit, take pictures of your food in an app and get feedback. And it focuses on losing 5% of your weight uh, over the course of a year to help you reduce your risk for type 2 diabetes and improve your health. Lawrence, you just said, I'm sorry to jump in, guys, but you said something that I think is really important. I just want you to elaborate for a second so people understand. You said people can use a health savings account. What, what does that mean? So I think a lot of people that are listening might not understand. What that yeah, means. yeah. So it's a you know, health savings account, a flexible savings account. Um, you know, a lot of people have where they're just like these... Uh, you know, tax benefit accounts where some employers and health plans will put some money away into that every year for their their employees, um, you know, as well. Um, and so you can you could use that if you have it to to pay for the program. Yeah, awesome. I think a lot of people don't know savings, Mike. So that's, uh, that's <laughs> that is true, too, unfortunately. Best thing is to invest in your health, right? So you, if you don't invest in yourself. What will you ever invest in? That's for sure. And if you're not investing in yourself by investing in your health, what are you ever going to invest in? Right. Go ahead, David. Yeah, I, I, you touched on something else interesting, and I really enjoy this conversation. The fact that you guys have been using this as 
uh, an employee health benefit, I think, is a really, really great approach. And I, 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 I want to unpack a little bit the dialogue of those pitches because it, it takes a savvy, smart employer to know, listen, if I invest $500 here, I'm going to save a bunch of money on the back end because I won't be dealing with heart disease, you know, type 2 diabetes and all the things that you said. Have you guys dealt with resistance from employers uh, in not seeing the, the benefit of implementing this in? And, and when you have, what's been the response there? Yeah, so actually the larger employers are the easiest ones to convince because they're self-insured, meaning that they pay for all of the healthcare costs for their employees. So we have, you know, some of the major airlines as customers and, you know, Blue Cross Blue Shield plans and that kind of thing. But if someone goes from develop from having pre-diabetes to developing type 2 diabetes, their healthcare costs actually go up by $9,600 per year. And wow. so if these employers can pay $500 to reduce someone's risk for type 2 diabetes by 58%, and avoid that $9,600 cost per year and avoid all the complications with diabetes, amputation, blindness, heart disease, dialysis, you know, kidney disease um, as well. It really saves them money. And so the big employers do it to, to save money, but they also do it to provide comprehensive benefits to their employees and, you know, keep their employees happy, healthy, productive. And I think for smaller employers, they may not be doing it because they're self-insured, but just because you know, they want to keep their employees happy and healthy and productive as well. Um, over the course of the COVID-19 pandemic, the average American gained a lot of weight. And I think this is going to be one of the biggest years for, you know, New Year's resolutions as well. And you got you to have happy employees in any business. Otherwise, they're not going to be successful when they're serving your customers. Yeah, and follow up on that really? yeah, go ahead, David. Yeah, but, <laughs> look at all the conversation you started. Getting ready. I'm loving it. Yeah. How do employers incentivize? So you're pre-diabetic. It's going to cost the employer $10,000 if you go to type 2 diabetes and insurance. They sign up for Fruit Street. How do they incentivize them to, to use it? I, I have an answer to that, Lawrence, for you. But I, go ahead. I'm going to let you answer the question. I'm going to help a lot. All right. All right. And then I'm going to hire you next. But anyway, um, yeah, so, you know, they'll get these marketing emails uh, you know, from their employer that say, if you sign up, you get a free scale. If you attend two classes, you get a Fitbit. And then some large employers, when you attend six classes with your dietitian, you'll get a $400 health savings account contribution that we were talking about before. And so often they'll provide financial incentives. And I think that can get people enticed to sign up for the program when you give them a free Fitbit or you give them a financial incentive. But that's what I would call extrinsic motivation. Yep. The dietitian will try to shift it into intrinsic motivation where the reward starts becoming health because you participate for four weeks and you see that you lost five pounds and you actually feel better. But I think financial incentives, giving free Fitbits can get people kind of in the door and, you know, started. Yeah, Lawrence, I was, what I was going to say is the, the answer ties right into what you were saying <clears throat> and what my other question was going to be is, um, you know, so much of what I'm doing in, in crypto and NFTs and, and uh, technology now in that space is with regard to gamification. Everything's being gamified. Does Fruit Street have any plans in the future, perhaps, to gamify some of this? And let me caution you, if you do, you're going to have Meltzer, Moreno, and these guys are like competitive by nature and others from around the world coming in because, yes, it's nice to get the 400 bucks in your health savings account, but if I get a couple of stars or a couple of, you know, flexes on the app because I've attended and done things, hey, man, I'm doing great. So yeah, any yeah. plans for anything like that? Yeah, yeah. We do some of it already where um, like people within a group with each other will do the Fitbit, you know, step competitions and you can do like running competitions with each other just other to see who gets more physical activity in there. But one of the next parts of the product is just to add in like a badge system. You know, it's like if you use any app like Fitbit, you get like the, uh, you know, 
you know, the badge when you've like run across mm -hmm. the entire United States, you know, cause I know David's doing, you know, 10 mile runs every day. Right. So, yeah. you know, he'll, he'll get the badge first probably, but, um, but, but yeah, I think part of the, 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 the value in the group is that social support and some people really do get quite competitive with their Fitbit step competitions. Yeah. We're all very competitive. Uh, Lawrence, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Check out fruitstreet.com save your own life, invest in yourself, the most important thing in your life, the non-negotiable of health. And I love uh, the perspective uh, in the change you made in your career. We need more people making those types of changes. We appreciate you. Come back and visit us. Yeah. And everybody sign up, fruitstreet.com. Thanks yeah. so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Lawrence. Awesome. He's awesome. That was yeah, great, yeah. man. I, it's interesting because, uh, you know, obviously here at the end of the year, uh, the, the – um, we have so many requests to come on the show and, you know, to, you know, we have very famous people on here, right? We, yeah. We've had the, the biggest names, chairman of alphabet, you know, the, Tillman Fertitta, you know, Cameron Diaz, it doesn't get any bigger than the guests we have, but sometimes you get a guest that nobody really thinks about. Uh, and it turns out to be, to me, you know, a real revelation. And I think it's really nice at the end of the year to have two such extraordinary guests. Uh, anyway, we got training coming up in 15 minutes, new day resolution training. It'll be on IG, TikTok, Clubhouse. Over 55,000 people registered uh, for training now, uh, which has been an extraordinary blessing. Uh, so hopefully I'll see you guys on there. But let's start with the takeaway of today. Uh, who would like to go first? I'll go first. And I'm going to cheat a little bit because it's the takeaway of the day, but kind of still a takeaway because it's it's New Year's Eve. So this we have to address, you know, the elephant in the room, right? Uh, I think all of us, as we start to look at, you know, New Year's resolutions, New Day resolutions, uh, we get so focused on what we're going to do differently in the future, but we don't take enough time to reflect on what we've done well in the past. So as you all think uh, through things today and as you go into these next years, reflect on what you've done well in the past and over this course of this year or over the course of the day and how you can improve on the things that you do well. I think we're always so focused on, I focus on our weaknesses that sometimes our strengths end up becoming weaknesses because we don't address them and, and, and give them the proper attention. And for me, it's, uh, you know, to, to build on to what Dave just said, you know, if you want to increase your batting average on doing well, Everything in life, it's 90% uh, preparation, 10% execution. And I think Joshua demonstrated that in, in business, right? If you're going to go get a loan, you have to have your, your documents in order. You have to do what's necessary in advance with your credit score and everything. And like we just talked to Lawrence, pre-diabetic leads to diabetic if you don't prepare the right way with your diet. Like Moreno said, it's hard to eat on the run if you don't have the right things with you. If you have healthy snacks with you, if you have midday squares in your bag and things like that, you're going to eat healthy, right? That's what happens. So 90% preparation, 10% execution. Sleep is part of that preparation. So we take that into the new year. We all win. We all win. And for me, my takeaway for the day is the takeaway for the year. And whether it's Josh or Lawrence or anyone else that we've had on here, my biggest uh, takeaway is that there's something bigger than me that loves me more than I love my own children. I am happy. I am healthy. I am wealthy and I am worthy. And I got to figure out what I'm doing to interfere with it. And I think these two companies are great examples as others throughout the year, you know, whether it's the wealth side of it, like how easy it is to get 2 million or a hundred million dollars. And yet people are so far in their own way and create their own interference that they just need to ask the right people for help. And then with Lawrence, 
I am healthy. What am I doing to interfere with it? There's some great solutions like Fruit Street that allow us to figure out what we're doing to interfere with it. And from our first session with all three of us, right, we were talking about identifying what are we doing to interfere with our health, our wealth, our happiness, and our worth. Uh, and in order to do that, I believe, no matter what your religion, spirituality, energy philosophies are, that you have to believe there's something bigger than you, omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing source of infinity and limitlessness that loves you more than Dave's mom loves him, uh, which is even more than I love my kids. So uh, <laughs> I, I've met the woman. She's in love with the, her, her little six-foot, six boy, or however tall Dave says he is. Uh, anyway, he's a lot taller than Miles is. Uh, anyway, uh, I want to send my love out to both of you. It's been an extraordinary year. Uh, next week, we're going to have some amazing news. So check the, the press wire. Uh, you know, Office Hours is hitting a whole new high. Uh, both Bloomberg and streaming. Uh, we are just blessed. The guests we have for filming, which will be at the Win in the lobby of the Win, our new studio. So we have studios uh, at the Win at SoFi, and we'll have a big announcement of David Meltzer Studio opening uh, in 2022, January 3rd. So check your newswire. 2022 only has abundance uh, for everyone. I'm so grateful for both of you guys. I'm sure. We will talk uh, before the day's out. Hopefully, I'll see everybody in 10 minutes. Thank you so much, David. Thank you so much, Mikey. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Happy see you. All right, everyone. 10 minutes training. Over 55,000 people registered this week for New Day Resolution Training, Clubhouse, IG, TikTok, and, of course, on the webinar. Matt, send me the panel link so we can join. Matt, I want to thank you. Mikey, I see you. Blaine my steady eddies uh, here. 5 a.m. is not easy to do it three, four days a week. Uh, and these guys do it and they, you know, are 16 hour productive a day, 32 hours in efficiency, 64 hours in statistical success and the improvement. The only thing I hope that Matt does is he throws away his Dallas Cowboy hat. I'm sorry, king of disappointment. All right, everyone, we'll see you in about 10 minutes. Thank you so much. Remember, for 2022. Be kind to your future self and do good deeds. See you soon. See you on the other side.